Hello and welcome to the 62nd episode of Long Live Play, the number one Australian PlayStation podcast full of lukewarm takes and mental breaks hosted by myself, Govinda Whitehurst, the number one host of this podcast, and the Lara Croft to my Nathan Drake, Mr. Kale Adam. If you like what you hear, you can and should review us on any platform that will let you review. I always specify Apple, but then I realize that's very elitist, even though I am elite and you're all poor. That is elitist. So if your podcast service allows reviews, you should leave us one. It does help us in some way. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at longlivepod. And there's a link tree there for other places that you can find us if you so wish. With that preamble out of the way, Kale, how you going? I'm wonderful, thank you, Govinda. I'm, I'm having a great time. Just a, just a good day. Another great day in the golden life of the great golden god, Kale Adam full-time video game journalist, entrepreneur, podcast host, man of mystery, quite frankly. Not not very mysterious. I pretty much I can pretty much guess what you're doing at all times at any time. I can just guess what you're doing. No, no, no. I think I can. I think I can. No. <laughs> yeah, I feel pretty good about it. I'd say 70% still not 70, probably 40% of the time you're working. Probably Hustling. another 40% prefer- of the time I prefer hustling as the term. I don't work. You work. I hustle. I'd rather work than hustle. Sounds like a lo- hustling sounds like more work. Uh, then the other forty percent of the time, I'd say you're sleeping because you seem to go to bed early and have dinner at like four thirty in the afternoon, like a mm. psychopath. Mm. Uh, and then the other twenty percent of the time, you're playing games and or in consuming media. There's probably like a one and a half to two hour period where I watch The West Wing every well, day. That's why I say consuming media because I know. Yeah, it's yeah, fair. yeah. Yeah, that's essential. Need that. You're so uh, you're so learned and like scholarly. Like you're watching The West Wing, and I'm watching Shit's Creek. <laughs> Shit's Creek's great though, <laughs> dude. Second run through, big fan of it. It's the perk of Emily not seeing certain things where I'm just like, oh yeah, I'll watch this again. What a good show. Let me uh, hit you with this one though. We're about to wrap up The West Wing, so this is a big deal. We need to figure out what we're going to move on to next. I think it's time because I've never seen it before. To watch Better Call Saul. Interesting. I, you know what it is, and I don't. I'm. I'm sure this will get poo-pooed by anyone listening. I have no urge to ever watch Breaking Bad again. Like I did it. I watched it. Cool. I enjoyed it. I thought the end was a was fine. But it's like it doesn't stick in my mind as this like earth-shattering show that it was at the time. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I watched it once through. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Aaron didn't like it, didn't really get past the first season. And that's what we're going into Better Call Saul with because it just has such universal accolades. It is... But so is Breaking Bad. Well, yeah, and I... Yeah, like, it is really good. That's what I mean. And I think it is good. I'm sure it's a very, very good show. It's been a very long time since I've seen it. But just in my memory banks, it doesn't stick in there like that was the best show I've ever seen. Like a lot of people will say it is. I've, it's certainly recency bias, but in my mind, I'm like, I think I liked Ozark better. I loved Ozark. Mm, that is recency bias for sure. Although I haven't finished it. I've only got like three or four episodes to go. I just need to get there and knock it out. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But I just I just rewatch sitcoms. I don't watch anything new. That's that's me. And I watch uh, Blown Away. Great show. Never heard of it. It's just a, it's like a reality-ish show where people do glass art and get, and then try and win uh, Best in Blow, they call it, which I... Mm. <laughs> If you just heard that without the context, it would sound like something else. But <laughs> <laughs> it's 
You're right. I am uh, more but, learned and academic than you. You are yeah. right about that. I, I'd like to think I'm more artistic, though. I'm like watching like art sculpting, like on TV and stuff like that. Uh, I do really want to get into this show. I think it's on binge, or I think it's HBO for anyone that lives in a normal country. Uh, and it's about people making pottery. And mm. there's this old guy on it. This old dude, one of the judges is this old dude, but he's like just like the, the nicest guy. Someone <laughs> makes a bowl and he's like holding the bowl, doing the judgment, and he just starts like crying, being like, "It's just such a beautiful bowl." <laughs> it's so new. Just he loves pottery. Like it's his entire being is pottery, and I just really appreciate that. It seems wholesome, so I kind of want to get into that. I will say our sort of like safe space show that we watch in my household with my mother-in-law. You know, if we have guests over or whatever, we watch the. Great British Bake Off. You familiar with okay. this? Okay, the, the pottery show is very similar. I think it's British as well, yeah. but it's about pottery, not, like baking pottery and not baking food. But mm. Mm. It's interesting to see Noel Fielding these days, and he's sort of a little chubby boy. <laughs> he's kind of chubby. He's exactly the same, just a little chubbier. And aren't we all kale, huh? It's so funny because I loved the Mighty Boosh. Like, again, no disrespect, love the Mighty Boosh. But it's so fascinating that it seems like Noel Fielding's place in, like, popular British culture is, like, they just put him on this super normie show about a baking competition <laughs> and they just point to him and be like, look at how eccentric and weird he is. Be funny. Say something Say something funny. And he just doesn't. He's like, oh, I'm going to go play cricket with a cricket. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone laughs and it's like it wasn't that funny yeah no uh, look and again uh, gonna get poo-pooed probably by some people uh, Bush was fine Mighty Bush was fine it didn't hit me like it hit so many of our friends it, it was just fine it was okay I enjoyed I bits d- of I, it I genuinely enjoyed it it's so funny to look back on just like the the brazen blackface they do in it in one episode oh like, yeah, yeah some of uh, it has not is that the well. dude the highway dude and he's got it's that old Greg? It's not old Greg. No, it's um. No, nah, it doesn't matter. We're gonna get stuck in this for too it's long. All right. yeah, it's the fine, guy it's with fine. the lifesaver eye. I just remember he's doing like a Carlos Santana kind of guitarist thing. Yeah, I can't remember it anyway. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mighty Boosh, everybody. <laughs> Hateful show. Uh, so that was me. How are you? Are you back to normality? No more uh country hopping holidays you're just back to your, your doldrums and i'm sure you want to kill yourself uh look i it's <laughs> yeah pretty much no it's actually pretty <laughs> fine it was almost a nice little reset for me because when i came back like i didn't have like a whole backlog of shit i had to do it was just kind of like this is what you have now and mm. i'm like okay because my job all my tasks are rolling so quickly that while i was away they just had to give my stuff to other people to finish and I got here and I was like, that's your fresh list and start. And so I kind of felt like it was a good little reset almost, which I'm a big yeah. fan of actually. Did my tax return. Oh, how um, fisted did you get? Not at all, dude. My, oh. Because I worked for Apple at the start of this tax, tax year, this financial year, uh, that buffered me pretty nicely because they were taxing me at a higher rate with the assumption I'd work for the whole year. And mm. I didn't. Uh, and then I'd kept a decent amount of money aside and then when it came to like what I actually owed, it was like half of what I'd kept aside. So I'm considering it like I got a tax return. Yeah, right. Like I kept a decent chunk aside and it was like, this is what you owe now after like my deductibles, like my PC and I get like a small business tax offset and a middle income tax offset. And I was like, awesome. And then I was like, that's it. That's the bill. I was like, sweet. Well, I'll give you that. I'm going to go buy a headset and I'll probably buy a monitor, <laughs> <Right> <laughs> which on. I'll just write off next year <laughs> yeah. or this year, I guess. So. 
Uh, yeah, honestly, pretty happy with that. Pretty happy with that. And yeah, it's a public holiday today, which is awesome because it means I just only have a four-day week. And I'm getting a free lunch on Friday because I have to go into the office. So, And they say there's no such thing as a free yeah. lunch. They say there's no such thing. <laughs> well, I bet it's not free. I bet I'm going to get fired or something. But hey, at least I get a free lunch. <laughs> but that's a quick summary of me. Uh, and looks like you're going to have a pretty quick summary of what you've been playing this week. Yeah, well, I guess just before we get into that, then, I should say, uh, Kavinder, I'm leaving you. Um, I actually uh, guested on another podcast, and it went really well. Um, I'm thinking about just... Did you um and ah as much as you do in hours that no, I cut I was out? Very... I, I want to see if he, um, <laughs> if he cuts them all out, because... If anyone, you probably, none of you have probably heard it just then, but leading into what Kale just said to me, he said, um, three times. You won't hear we'll them. Know. You're welcome. <laughs> Maybe I'll leave them in just so people can hear Just actually. for dramatic effect. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I went on uh, the Mage cast with the Well-Read nice. Mage. Um, it, was, it was a lovely time. It was episode- What'd you talk about? Uh, I'm getting there, Govinda. I, I know you're so jealous, but just let me, let me. Let me give it, give the preamble. You know what I mean? I'm trying to let you talk and now you're not talking to <laughs> <laughs> Uh It was episode 87 called Jurassic World of Warcraft, parentheses, Total War Warhammer 2. And so me and Moses, we had a lovely chat. Over two hours, actually. That's the main thing I've, I've got umbrage with is after an hour and 20 minutes together, you're gone. You're done. Well, you was, can't talk anymore. This was this was exciting, you know. He just—he was such a masterful interviewer. He Maybe it's because you didn't have me. to do anything. Like you were just kind of getting—you were just there, <laughs> and everything was prepared for you. It's true. And, <laughs> it's yeah, true. yeah, I was gonna say you just—you just—you just have to exist, and it's not up to you to get the sh- keep the show rolling. It's up to him. But it was—it was a great show. We talked a lot about just the tabletop game of Warhammer, which I spent way too much of my life not really playing, but like absorbed in and surrounded by. And then we just talked. Total War, which, as you know, is something I can literally talk about for hours. So you just said you spent too much of your life doing Warhammer, tabletop Warhammer games. What is too much of your life? Like, is how much Warhammer is not too much? Because I would argue that, like... Yeah, look, compared to, like, real life, so my thing, and you could... I don't want to spoil all this audio goodness that I think our listeners should go and enjoy, and I'll, I'll include a link to the episode. It's actually public now, so you can listen to it. To Govinda, I give you shout outs. I give this show shout outs. Oh, you talked about me. I actually, like, embarrassingly, several times, I think I bring you up. It's oh, a, that's so cute, dude. So cute. I actually, we I make actually, such a cute couple. I don't. That's just a hook. And now Govinda will be forced to listen to it to find out if he actually. Yeah, because while you're such a narcissist, you subscribe to his Patreon so you could listen mm. early. Yeah. I'm such a narcissist that I don't really know anything about Total War, really. And I'm going to listen to it just to hear you say my name four times. That's <laughs> oh, fun. You know, we just, we talk about, you know, the differences nah, between just, us all. I'll give it a listen. I'll give it a listen. I'll give it a listen. Oh, wait, no, wait. Before we're done, one of his, one of his listeners had a, had a comment. And they made me say words to make fun of our, our glorious accent. Let's see if it works for you, Govinda. Say the following phrase. Rise up lights. Rise up lights. Do you know about this? This is apparently like a thing that Americans do to Australians to trip them up. What? Apparently that sounds like you said razor blades. Well, because that's how they think we that's how they think we talk. They think we're saying 
rise up lights. Like that's, <laughs> that's what they think the Australian accent is when I'm saying rise up lights. Yeah, I'd never heard that before. It was fun. We had a oh, good chat ri- about it. Rise up lights. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what they think the Australian So when I was in America, I had a friend and she refused to not do this because I asked her a few times to stop, but she would just try and do the Australian accent. And she mm. was really bad at it. And it was like a sh- offensive to a, at a point. And I, <laughs> I would say this. I was like, if you had a friend who was like Asian, you wouldn't just go up to them and constantly make, like try and imitate their accent badly. And she was like, this is different. I was like, nah, it's sure. <laughs> but I've asked you multiple times to stop it and you still do it. And it's honestly the worst attempt at an Australian accent you could ever do. So... Kavinda, you're ruining the sweeping generalization I made when I spoke on behalf of all Australians and said that we're actually really cool and we don't really care about that kind of thing. But here's you. Oh, dude, it's different. It's different when you live there. I was there for like almost two years and it was like daily. (laughs) I worked with her. It was so consistent. And I was like, "Ah, this is... And it's there's something you notice, like you get it kind of everywhere. You go, they like hear the accent. They go, oh, shrimp on the barbie. And I'm like, No. no. First they're of all, prawns. They're prawns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's fine. I, I'm okay. Yeah. So anyway, go check that out. I'll leave a link. It was it was good fun. Maybe and maybe I should get on there. I can arrange that. I think he'd love to have you. I think I could arrange that. I don't need you. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm sort of. <laughs> see, I'm a pundit now. I'm I'm a part of the chattering classes. I I go on podcasts, plural, and that's just who I am now. And yeah. I just need you to treat me with that level of respect. <laughs> I'll never do that. You know that, right? Just yeah, know that know, in my know. mind, whether it's right or wrong, I'm above you always. Well, I'm going to bring so myself never give you that back respect. down by revealing this, that I've again spent another whole week. I almost deleted it, but I couldn't. I just play RimWorld now. I've played it for nearly 20 hours. I just play it. All the time. It's this colony simulator. We talked about it last week. I just... I'm trying to get achievements in it. I find it so satisfying. I love it. It's like... This sounds crazy. And I know you have a weird bias. But legitimately, this is a top three game of the year contender right now. Interesting. Absolutely. I'll have to give it a go. I'll have to give it a go. I I mean, it's uh... it's not a strong year. Elden Ring is number one. I don't know what number two would be. RimWorld's probably in the top three. <laughs> uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is like number two. <laughs> it's yeah, it's. I mean, we're gonna it has get been a bit stuff. of a grim year. We, we'll need to get. We'll need to. I'll need to get a short list going for our game of the year at the end of the year. I'm sure but, God of War makes it in. It's funny how you know, neither of us have so. mentioned Forbidden West in this conversation, but that's well. The look, at this point, it is, it is probably in there. Like it's that Elden Ring and God of War probably by all said and done by default. But, but maybe knock off uh, Forbidden West and chuck in Rimworld. I didn't want to um, live on it too much. I'm, I'm interested to talk about what you've been playing. But I will say this. Um, I just bought Cult of the Lamb. Uh, How? You pre-ordered? Yeah. It sh- I think it comes out tomorrow or midnight. It comes out tomorrow. Uh, oh, I think it'll be midnight tonight because I think it is the 11th. I yeah. think you were right. And it will come out, I assume, midnight tonight, which is pretty chill. Now, it's funny that you said you bought it because I actually thought it was already out the other day and I was I was going to buy it. And I was like, oh, I'll buy it and Kale can buy it. That's fine. Uh, but it wasn't out, so I didn't buy it. So now I know that you bought it. I'm not buying it. <laughs> I'll hold you for the next game. Uh, so I'm very well, excited for that. And uh, Me too. I'm, I'm kind of interested. Someone, uh, I saw someone on Twitter or something explain it as Animal Crossing with demonic cults. 
Yeah, I've kind of heard that. Uh, I've heard from people that have it now that it's it's quite good. Um, uh, there was a demo on Steam a little while ago, which I heard was was pretty well yeah. received. My one concern, and I, I will hold off full criticism until I play it, uh, is it's roguelite. Yeah. Which I assume is kind of because it's like, don't starve a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I don't really know. I've written about it so much. I've watched every trailer that's been released and I don't really understand how it's roguelite. I don't know. It's... Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, so it, I don't know. Like, can you lose, and do you have to start again? I don't know. Or is it just? Yeah, I'm so interested. Like, and and from what I can tell, it I can't gather whether or not it is a like like kind of don't starve, like play until you can't survive anymore and you die or something happens to you and you start again, or if it is more of an Animal Crossing where you are just you've created this cult and you are continually feeding it and doing different things and stuff. So I think the village management aspect it looks fairly light. What I think it might be closer to is that um, Rogue Legacy, like where maybe you die and you like lose progress in the area, but you keep your village. But the village but maintains. Keep... Oh, that would be that would make sense. And like that's you my get Resurrected by the demon. That's that's yeah. Okay. Um, I'm 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 actually kind of keen for it too. Again, I fucking I I'm gonna say this every week until I get it. That's my new thing. I want a Vita too. I want a Vita too. Me so too. Oh, bad. I, I should say this too. I've been playing my Vita every night. I've been playing Final Fantasy. I've been playing Trails in the Sky. Do you have every a night one? a Vita? Yeah. No. I thought you did. Damn. I, no, they're I really hard my, to find. I just have my fucking legendary OLED one that we bought back in yeah, 2014 I, is when I bought that. I yeah yeah. I part of me doesn't matter if it's OLED or LED. I don't really care because I think the LED is nice because the touchpad on the back is smaller. The only reason I want it, it has a better battery life, but I it's lighter. I like that. Yeah. I like yeah. that. But I'm, I'm so happy I do want to try and hunt one down just because I kind of just want something like that mm. for some of those like older games that just work really well. On it. You like know what? Final Fantasy is great for it. But su- Such a funny concept that I literally haven't thought about in years is I've been playing Final Fantasy X crossplay. I just forgot that was a thing. Like I play it on my Wait, Vita. Like cross save? Yeah. Oh, that is And I just cool. upload it and then I play it on my PS5 and it's so funny. too? Uh, well, uh, that was my goal. Like, when the baby's born, my thinking is I'm going to be playing a lot of Vita. Let's see if that works out to be accurate, but... Yeah, probably. Well, it might be. It might be more accurate than you think, but uh, you're going to cherish your sleep. So, the, like, Vita in bed thing, I don't think is going to be as, as a, much of a go as you might think it is. Just to... Well, sorry, just to finish up my segment, Kavinda, we're in my segment. Uh, and we'll get to your segment. I just need to finish my segment thank you you actually you were, you were handing it to me a little while i ago wasn't and you actually took you took it no you, and I, I had not handed it no was, you were handing it and then you took it back and talked about cult of the lamb which isn't even out yet and so i i feel like i've been put on blast for no reason and i i expect an apology by the end of the episode the, just just to finish the thought was that i think we're about to be inundated with games because the week after that we get soul hackers 2 and i'm nah. pretty i'm i'm hearing good things about it as well I've been watching a lot of trailers. It's like, I mean, it's the latest Atlas game. They've learned a lot since Persona 5. Mm, it looks fucking yeah, okay. tight butthole. You did sell me with Atlas. You did sell me with Atlas. And that's all so I had to say was now. the name. <laughs> it was, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> no, I was, I was writing about it today. There's like this Soul Matrix system, which is kind of like a combination of mementos and social links. And I was like, fuck yeah, I love these these games i'm excited. sorry i'm i'm confused are we i i wasn't sure did i ask what you've been playing or like what you're gonna play and what you're excited to play because i feel like we're, we've gone down a rabbit hole that we uh 
I'm just telling we, you, they're coming. We've never opened. I don't know where this whole game I'm from. excited for games again. We're coming out of the droughts, the doldrums. We're getting back into yeah. the promise. Honestly, land. my 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 sleeper excite, excitement game is Callisto Protocol. I'm actually super keen for that. I am too, but I know I'm going to be too scared to play it. I need it's going to be real be. scary, but I like that and I appreciate it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm excited too. Uh, it's weird. God of War is really just... It's, it's coming. It's fine. Like, I'm not yeah. super hyped for it. I will be. And I was, when we were talking about uh, Forbidden West just before, how we kind of, no one, we didn't mention on Game of the Year discussion, I think it's kind of because, yeah, Sony just seems a little bit stuck in a third person action game rut. We've known this for years, but yeah, it's getting real now where you're like, all right, cool. Like, and it's- if Forbidden West came out four years ago, it would have been the best game anyone had ever played. Yeah. But it comes out now and you're like, it's 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 just more of the same. With the it's a bit. I've better played it before. I've played it. Very before. good game though. It's crazy, but we are getting a bit jaded, aren't we? Speaking of being stuck in a rut and you leaving me, I I think I'm leaving you, Kale. You got nowhere to go. I, I don't play PlayStation anymore. I knew this. I fully succumbed to, to <laughs> being Master Race. Uh, even Emily called me out on this, where I was like, I was playing my PC, and she was like, "Do you even play PlayStation anymore?" And I was like, "No." Not really. So, what I've been playing is a game that is exclusive to PC and Xbox Game Pass at this point in time, but I think it will be like limited exclusive and it will come to PlayStation at some point for sure with an 80% guarantee. You got the 80% given to guarantee. Uh, that's Power Wash Simulator, Kale. Power Wash Simulator. Now, what is it, you might ask? I'm glad you asked that because I just had to Google it. I've never actually... I've seen people talking about this game. Like, people like it, but I I didn't really... Like, I think I've seen a little clip of it, actually, but I had to remind myself. Take it away. <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like. You simulate washing things with a power washer. This is actually published by Square Enix, which I thought was really bizarre. And it first mm. popped up... I saw Square Enix did, like, a little sizzle reel of all their games upcoming and just recently released... And that was in there, and I was like, what the fuck? And I Googled it, and I saw a skill-up review. Oh, yeah. My and he boy. loved it. He fucking, he fucking loved it. You know what else skill-up loves? My latest review. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to bring that back up again. That was a little callback uh, from the time God, the yeah. popular YouTuber skill-up highlighted my review. Thank if, you. Con- continue. God, if, God forbid you get successful in as a gaming journalist. You're going to be insufferable. Oh, yeah. Imagine when I get verified on Twitter. I just applied again the other day. <laughs> oh, you can apply to get verified? Yeah. I don't know you applied for it. I thought they'd just give it to you. I've applied several times, Govinda, but I will be successful one day. I wonder if I can apply as like a number Anyone one can apply. number one Australian PlayStation podcast. Nah, it's not good enough. What do you mean? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm fucking... It's a whole thing. Uh, there's a whisper network of how you can get it done. Uh, essentially, you need... To get it in like media or podcast, you either need to be massive or have X amount of bylines or, you know, there's a whole lot of criteria and I'm not I don't it. care anyway. Anyway, I wash stuff with a power washer and <laughs> it makes me feel good. <laughs> Isn't this truly the death of civilization? You're like, I will pay money for the privilege to virtually wash something. So it's just like a, it's almost like a therapeutic thing. Like you can just completely turn your brain off. You get into a level like I, I just did a playground and it was filthy. And like Skill Up does Skill Up explains it really well where he says like it's like an adult coloring in book, but mm. it's the opposite. Like mm. instead of seeing like a black and white page where you're like, Oh, I can make this really colourful, you see the dirtiest thing ever and you're like, I oh, know underneath this. 
is something really pretty. And I, I think maybe my PC does it well and just handles it well, but like things shine and glimmer and the colors really pop once you've cleaned everything off. Like you clean a window and it's like beautiful and you're like, oh, that felt good. And every time you clean like a panel, like the, the, the whole level is broken up into like a panel. It's like a window, a window frame, a, one wall. And you're just like, you're going through once you fully clean it and 100% that panel, it dings. And it's like a, it's like the serotonin hit, you know? Mm. That's like an extra injection into my vein of me just being like, oh, yeah, baby. Uh, so I've played more of it than I'd like to admit. Mm. Uh, and I was just listening to the Game of Thrones, the first Game of Thrones book. Uh, and no regrets. Great, just wa- great time. Just washing. Now, just it's... Washing it up. There is an interesting psychology here because the act of gurneying something is quite satisfying. What's to stop you getting the same satisfaction from just, like, scrubbing your bathroom? I think it's the clean lines that it leaves. Like, scrubbing isn't like a... You don't just do, like, one scrub and the the bathroom glass is clean. You've got to, like, put stuff on there, give it a good scrubbing, whatever. Whereas with a gurney, there's the power where you just go, it's clean. And this game does a, a good job of, like, you've got different heads, like, nozzle heads. Mm. So, like, one will do a wider spray, but it's not as powerful. And you'll go you'll go through a big bit of dirt, and it will leave. There'll be, like, some mold or, like, rust is built up. So, you need to swap to a more powerful head mm. so that you can get through that sort of stuff. And then it's all about becoming, like, efficient. Uh, and, again, back to the skill up review, he was like, I would love to see someone do this competitively. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, how quickly can you do it? It would and be so, fun, like, yeah. People, it's... Like, a head-to-head, two people trying to wash the same space in, the same, in, like, a quicker time. Because there are efficiencies. You can flip the nozzle head 90 degrees. Mm. So, like, if you... So, you get really good at, like, going up a wall, flipping it over, and then going across. Uh, and it's, it's just a weirdly, like, honestly therapeutic oh, game. Sorry, just as a really quick aside on the subject of competitive gaming, Evo was just on, and I actually had to... I've never watched Evo... Now, this is, of course, the fighting tournament uh, owned outright by PlayStation now, I think. I think so, yeah. Either very heavily sponsored, but I think they do run it. Like, I think it is a Sony event. We knew there was going to be news at the end of the Street Fighter V tournament. So, I actually just watched a couple of hours of it. Just like, you know, I was too <laughs> early. You said that so casually. I thought you were going to say a couple of fights and you're like, a couple of hours no. of it. <laughs> yeah, it probably ended up being like two and a half, three hours. I just had it on the, the background and it was like... Really riveting. I don't even... I've never played Street Fighter Five, And to be totally honest, like... Yeah, but at a high level, it doesn't look super impressive. Like, it's cool what they pull off and the comebacks they do, but it is a lot of, like, you know, crap, like, down to to diagonal back. And, like, yeah, they're, like, wave dancing or whatever they call it. And, yeah, it was legitimately pretty awesome. I got quite invested (laughs) in the end. Did you see the... uh, There was a really good... I think it came from Evo, but during Evo, there was a really good photo of someone playing, I think it was Street Fighter, and their opponent's next to them, but they have a cardboard box that they put their hands in to play, so they can't see what their buttons they were using and pushing oh. and shit while they play. They take the shit real seriously. Uh, but I, I don't know, I never really got into it, but I think it's probably a really good spectator sport because it's just all on one screen, you know who's who. I find if you ever watch, uh, I was watching Shroud play Valorant competitively because he's apparently in a team again. It's just really hard to follow. Like, they're swapping between characters constantly. Yeah. Like, 
it's just not an easy way to follow it. Same when I've ever watched like competitive Overwatch, unless you've watched it long enough and you kind of get what's going on. It's super hard to follow because there's just so many people, they play different characters on different levels. And so you're trying to figure out who's who and it's just really complicated. Whereas I think with a 1v1 in a fighting game, it just makes way more sense. If you've ever watched competitive Smash Bros, that shit is wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Well, and this was just so simple because it's just Street Fighter. Like, they're just such, you know, it's just traditional fighting game. But yeah, anyway, as a quick aside that turned into a longer one. But anyway, other than that, I did play a game that you can play on PlayStation just to level out the, the field a little bit. Uh, I played some Tropico 6. Mm. Now, are you playing this on PlayStation or PC? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely playing it on PlayStation, dude. What? And just... Sorry to... I'm not. I'm playing it on PC. I was going to say, because I got Tropico 6 on PS Plus or something, and I love strategy games, well documented. I couldn't get into this because the frame rate sucks on console. It's like sub 30. Tropico 6? I don't think that was a PlayStation Plus game. Oh, maybe it's Tropico 5. Tropico 5 was a long time ago, and that's why I started playing Tropico at all, but I played Tropico 5 for a decent amount. I find with strategy games, I... I actually really enjoy them, but I as soon as I fall off, I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll just like like uh, Jurassic World Evolution or whatever it is. I was into that first one for like two weeks hard. Like I played a lot of it, but as soon as I decided to not play it anymore, it was done, and I was not going back to it. I think a lot of that was because the the sequel was coming out, and I thought I'd get that, but then paying full price kind of didn't sound like something I was going to do. And mm. uh, but Tropico Six is is pretty cool. Like I've I did all the tutorials because I felt like I should. And then at the end of it, I was like, I really wish I didn't have to spend an hour and a half doing tutorials. You know what I mean? I wish yeah. there was a better way. And I think I think there probably is. I would prefer rather than a extensive tutorial like quests and stuff to just have like tips as I go along. It's a, it is a fine line to walk. Uh, I found this with like Crusader Kings 3. Uh, the tutorial mm. in that sucks ass. Like it's... You just kind of have to keep throwing yourself at it because it does that more sort of tooltips popping up and it's just not enough sometimes. Like, Yeah, it is a fine line. It's just I, I just felt like I just wanted to get in there and do something. and I, and I, I, But it's a lot of it is like you don't know enough. Like, There's a lot you need to know about it, about like hiring staff for specific things. And I was, I was I started playing a campaign and I just I had no I had no workers. I was like, how do I have more people? No one's having babies. I have no tourists coming here. Like, how do I... I don't know how to get more workers to work in these places. Uh, and if I hadn't have done the tut- tutorial, I wouldn't have known that. But I had and I did. So, yeah. It just was a... I just... The tutorial really bugged me for a long time. And I... Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But uh, other than that, I haven't played it for too long. But I do love a good little uh, little sim game. Nothing yeah. too in-depth. Nothing too in depth. The old Sim Cities, where you had to do like drains and electricity lines and stuff, that's too much. I don't want that. But this is enough. I would like you to try RimWorld then, because I think it can be in depth if you want it to be. But like, I'm so enamored with the the early game, just like building a shelter, keeping people alive, like the basic stuff and the combat. Yeah, I'll give it a go. I, when when you mentioned it again and you were very avid about how good it was, I ch- grabbed my phone hoping I was going to download it and then realized I can't log into your account on my phone, only on my PlayStation, so I, I will download it. It's one of those games where I'm, I think it's like 800 megabytes or something. <laughs> it's like That's the best, ludicrous. too, when you get a, like a little game and you're like, oh, I can't wait till this downloads, and it's like, boop, done. And you're like, yes. Because I did, I will admit, I did have a minute of regret. I bought it and it was like 60 bucks or something. I was like, oh, this is like pretty steep. 
But uh, holy shit, have I got my money's worth. Like, even if I were to stop playing it now, and I won't, I'm going to be playing this, like, on and off <laughs> for a long time. I, I think I would have had my money's worth. It's worth every penny. Okay, 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 okay. All right, well, look, other than Tropico 6, I don't have too much to say because I haven't played it. I played it for like a, a couple hours, and I'm in, like, one campaign. But uh, so far, I like it. I do like being a dictator. I do like it a lot. I do love the whole, uh, yeah, like, communist banana republic shtick that's going on. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you say Banana Republic because there was a point where I needed to export bananas. Otherwise, the uh, crown would take the land off me and I wouldn't be the dictator anymore. So, I then... I You can change the working conditions of each little, like, thing you've got. And I had a, I had a plantation of bananas and I needed them to work harder. So, I bumped it up to uh, a, a longer working day and no days off because <laughs> daddy needed the bananas. <laughs> You're going work. You can't work. <laughs> and of course, I gave my dictator a big fat mustache. Cause of course. Of course. Well, if that's all said and done, Govinda, how about some quickfire news? Yeah! Govinda, Jeff Keighley is at it again. He's promising the moon. He's offering you the stars and the sun. Uh, and I just don't know if he's going to be able to deliver. Uh, I am, of course, talking about Gamescom opening night live. Uh, now, you mocked me several weeks ago when I included this as a story because I said there was going to be announcements, right? Well, Jeff has taken to Twitter and he said, there's going to be 30 of them, 30 game announcements on the big stage in Cologne, Germany, where Jeff... Actually, I don't know if Jeff's going. I have no idea about that. But regardless, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of announcements. Now, how does that strike you? Now, firstly, I only gave you shit because you, you, we already had so much news to go through and you put in something where it was like, Gamescom will have announcements. And I was like, mm. okay, that doesn't need to be there. We already know that. It's Gamescom. Sure. Now, you're giving me more details and I think this is acceptable because now we know it's a two-hour long live show, which is too long. I'm yeah, that sorry. seems, that seems egregious. That does... 30 plus games on stage... Probably most we've seen. I hope there's some surprises in there. Uh, I oh, I don't even. I couldn't even tell you what we're gonna see. And I don't want to see games like I don't want to see Callisto Protocol. I don't want to see God of War. I don't. I I wouldn't mind maybe some Harry Potter. Just uh, to no, see. I'd see some um God of War gameplay. I I think that's oh, appropriate. true. Even you know what? I just don't think I need it. That's the I only don't thing. Need that's it. what I'm saying. No. Right. I don't need it. But like I Harry Potter, be... I need. they need to sell me a little bit more in Harry Potter other than the fact that I just want to be a boy wizard and live my childhood fantasy. So I, I kind of want to see a little bit more of that rather than just the trailer they had with a like, solve puzzles. And he just said Accio like seven times in a row to solve puzzles. And I was like, I need a bit more. Whereas God of War, like I'm getting it, I'm playing it. I'd actually rather just be completely in the dark for that game. Yeah. You know, and just like if there's new gameplay elements, I want them to surprise me rather than me see them at a Gamescom thing two months before it comes out. Now, I wouldn't mind seeing some Last of Us gameplay, like maybe an extensive Last of Us gameplay because I don't think we get I have that. played that. I don't think we I get know, that. But I'm, it's almost a little concerning to me that we've bet we have we seen any other than oh the yeah week of no we we got that like a uh, sixteen minute. Uh, thing that they released after all the leaks. Like, I mean, obviously they'd worked on it before. Oh, the but... little featurette thing where they talk yeah. about... They're like, hey, this game is so random and people don't think it needs to be made. Let us tell you it very explicitly what we have changed. <laughs> there is certainly a backlash brewing to that because now, like, you know, super fans are pulling out all the quotes that 
the developers like put in there saying they'd be like better AI. It was going to have like gameplay mechanics from the second one, and it doesn't look like that's the case at all. Like, no, it definitely does. The did you watch that feature? Because they talk about something that I thought was really cool, and it was something that actually kind of bothered me in the first game. That, and I don't even know if I don't even think it's in the second game. I think it's mm. even beyond that. But it's where your AI can actively are uh, actively staying in stealth. Yeah. And so they have predictive stuff where they can see that like an, the enemies are going to walk around a corner so they have to reposition to stay in stealth rather mm. than like remember in the first game like Ellie would just run out in the middle of nowhere and people would see her but not do anything about it. I think and I mean yeah sorry not to cut you off there but like that's cool but that's not what the developers implied. They implied we were getting like the awesome AI from 2 which like had them combing rooms looking for you like we're not talking about ellie who can't be damaged anyway like they very strongly implied we're getting like enemy ai that was going to be on par with the second game and i don't think that looks like we're getting that i I, i'm gonna watch this video again i'm pretty sure they show it and explain it yeah and they do it a little more technically but i'm it would be surprising to me if they didn't put that in because i don't know why you wouldn't that's why i think there's there's something brewing like yeah there's expectations in place so if this really is just the you know the reskin cash grab that a lot of people think it is i think yeah we're gonna hear about it it's gonna be interesting look it could it could every game's a cash grab right yeah this just feels worse because we had a remaster of four years ago i mean it's it's certainly not worse than persona 5 royal saying on ps5 saying there's gonna be no upgrade path and it's gonna be full price again you just got to cough it. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> that is... That's fucked. That is. Yeah, that's, like, that is, really that egregious. <laughs> anyway, uh, what do you think... What do you think they're going to show? Because I don't even... I don't I know. I don't know. I did just want to leave on, um, you know, Summer Games Fest. Keely's last show. We had some cool stuff, but it was a little bit lackluster, too. So, when I see two hours, 30 games, I'm kind of going to have my arms folded and be waiting to be impressed i'm not expecting much at all yeah and just as a heads up i'm not we're not covering 30 games i'm gonna tell you the things i liked out of it and and that's it hold on let's see how slow the news was that way (laughs) let's uh let's not get ahead of ourselves no dude even even 30 games if we spend a minute on i guess yeah okay with this 30 minutes i guess it's possible but just just to recollect the biggest thing out of summer games fest was probably the callisto protocol which is huge Mm-hmm. But after that, we're talking about, like, Marvel's Midnight Suns, which I'm warming up on, Saints Row, Goat Simulator yeah. 3. Like, yeah, it's it wasn't... There wasn't a lot of huge stuff there. At least, maybe I'm not remembering that, but... You know what we might see at Gamescom, though, Govinda? Is Dead Island 2. There's a rumour circulating from everyone's famous... Favourite? Famous. Most favourite rumour monger, Tom Henderson, that we might see... A re-reveal of Dead Island 2. Now, of course, Dead Island 2 has disappeared. It, it was first announced in 2014. We haven't seen hide nor fucking hair of it. Oh, I assume this was dead for sure. Apparently not. Apparently it's still going. Um, there's been a report that it's happening. Like, it's... it's I don't know. It's, it's going to be more Dead Island. Um, it's funny that we just talked about... Goat Simulator, too, because that trailer at Summer Games Fest was spoofing the original Dead Island 2 announcement trailer where he's jogging down the street and there's, like, yeah. zombies coming up. I, I actually love Dead Island. I have very fond I memories of it. I was thinking about this. So, 
Do you feel like Dead Island even has a place with Dying Light in existence? I think it does because, like, maybe, maybe if Dying Light Two hadn't flopped in the way it did in my mind, um, there's another mm. one for Game of the Year. That was a big game from this year. <laughs> that was this year. It was. Jesus. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there kind of is room for it. I liked. I liked its sort of RPG mechanics. It was a fun co-op game too. It was a bit shoddy but it was it was a very fun co-op game and i think it has a bit more of a zany like zany aspect to it you know a bit more i also remind i remember it being kind of scary like when i would play it on my own i would get kind of like creeped out well scary moments i guess you go into dark areas and like substations and you got to deal with that but it was a really good co-op game and it was just i wonder if they'll incorporate any sort of like parkour sort of stuff or if they'll keep it a little more traditional i think it's I don't know. It is hard because Dying Light really did feel a little bit meh when it came out. Yeah. So, uh, there was something really fun about... Uh, Dead Island was just the beginning of it, I guess. Dying Light kind of expanded upon it because the first Dying Light was way better, in my opinion, than Dead Island. But now there's something that compels me to want to go back to Dead Island and just swing you see a it? giant mace covered in chains. And Yeah, you see it on sale on PSN for like literally $2 all the time. Like, yeah. All the time. I think there was also something like the the mod system seemed very similar to Dying Light, but maybe more expansive. Like I could do more with them. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to remember. Dead Island was such a long time ago, but I just remember that I was on PlayStation and all my friends were on Xbox, and I just played. Alone. I was gonna say because I have such good memories of like uh, playing it with a full complement of four players, like on headsets coordinating, and it was so sick. But yeah, I guess you weren't involved. That was Xbox. Yeah, that was everyone was playing on Xbox and I was on my PlayStation alone, which was awesome. <laughs> You're just sitting there going, the PS3 is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> the cell architecture, <laughs> so much power, so untapped glory. potential. I could be keen. Uh, Finally, right. I can play Dead Island with some friends. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along, Govinda. Square Enix has reportedly confirmed that it's looking to sell some of its stakes in its studios. Now, this one gets a little more complex, and I'm going to uh, I'm gonna push it over to you because I think uh, you're the money man. Uh, they held a conference, like a, I, I don't know if it was a press conference or for shareholders, but they held a, a conference and a Japanese-based analyst by the name of David Gibson went to Twitter and then started kind of just summarizing all of the important and big stuff. But I'm not going to go through too much of it because really all you need to know is that the fire sale continues and they maybe aren't looking to completely sell like studios but they are looking to for like joint venture opportunities uh to quote improve capital efficiency end quote uh there was something about i think a lot of this just goes back to when they said they wanted to just focus on japanese games and leave western games to western developers Mm. so who knows what it'll turn into they uh, they're gonna have a lot of money left over once this sale goes through for crystal dynamics and idos they're going to have a lot of money left over, so they'll have plenty of cash to be investing in, in games. But I think a lot of this goes d- down to they, they couldn't handle that many studios. They were, especially some of the Western ones, like Avengers was a bit of a wet fart when it came out. Uh, and while it may be better now, it's probably too late because if the game as a service doesn't pick up, it's going to not pick up, you know? Mm. Uh, and then what was the other one? Uh, Babylon's Fall. Oh, what a oh, game, Oh, yeah, dude. God. Was that this year? I think it was I early. Think so. I think so. Some, Square Enix cannot market Western games properly, and I think no. it's better just to leave that alone for now and, and 
But this has kind of brought a rise to speculation that they are looking to either be sold or sell a large stake of the company to someone else. Uh, David Gibson goes through and says, I would expect Sony, Tencent, Nexon, etc. would be interested. So I don't know. I'd, we can talk about it in the, I think it's the next one, maybe the one after. We've got, we've got something here about Tencent doing something and we can talk about it then. But I'd, I hope that none of that happens and they just keep doing what they're doing. This does seem like just another stepping stone along the path to Sony ultimately buying Square Enix, which I think we've seen enough little like tidbits where I'm starting to think yeah. that's just kind of going to happen at some point. I could see them also maybe not buying Square Enix, but buying like a majority stake in Square Enix. Yeah, something like uh, that. But we'll see. It just seems like a natural evolution because you got... There's a lot of exclusives already coming from Square Enix, but why would Sony buy Square Enix for exclusives if they're already getting them? It seems it's a little bit strange. For the more profits, <laughs> like a bigger <laughs> share the, of the cut. For the more exclusives. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> anyway, yeah, like you said, we'll, we'll kind of circle back around to this in a moment. But not just yet, because Govinda Elden Ring had one of the biggest gaming launches in YouTube history. Now, this uh, really blew me away. So, when Elden Ring came out at the start of this year, it was all anyone would talk about. You and I were playing it, we were raving, we are having a great time. Mm -hmm. In the 60 days after it launched, every Elden Ring video on YouTube cumulatively amassed 3.4 billion views. Now, that is a monstrous number. When I was thinking about that, I was like, oh, but YouTube's really big. To put that in comparison, during the same period, GTA V only only managed to get 1.98 billion views. That was a sarcastic inflection I put in there. This is a ludicrous amount of <laughs> views. But think about that. Elden Ring outdid GTA. And to be fair, GTA came out a long time ago and the internet was a different place. But that's big. That's very, very big. It is very big. But I, I was trying to look up uh, YouTube's growth statistics because I would say... They have grown substantially since GTA came out. It, while it is super impressive that Elden Ring did that, I'd say if GTA, like when GTA 6 inevitably comes out, I think it'll be at a similar rate. Now, the only thing I think Elden Ring has in its corner where it may be a little bit harder to topple is that it is a game that is so complicated and things are difficult and there's so many secrets and hidden things that you kind of needed help. Like I, I looked up uh, heaps yeah. of videos and I don't often do that for new games because I just was like, fuck Godric, how do I deal with this? Or like I'm just getting stuck on something or just even looking up different builds and stuff like that. There was just, there's also a lot of videos coming out of people just doing crazy builds you've never seen before. Yeah. Crazy, just crazy feats in the game. So I think it was a game that, uh, that fostered this sort of It engagement. certainly lends itself like you said like it's a cool yeah like maybe you just have an awesome fight and people would just upload that and that's cool i i liked that a youtube released these statistics and they sort of uh broke it down by the most popular channels uh vardy video essential if you've never never encountered he he like unpacks law has like yeah. really deep dives into the law well that's that's game. another thing about this game too is like for GTA V, I didn't need someone to explain the story to me. No, but I, I, I watched I watched all of Vardy's videos, and the next one was Fextra Life, who are the the build masters. They were putting out like a different build every day, and it was so sick. Like what they would yeah, do. Yeah, just to give different... context, uh, the YouTube stat page gives it says Elden Lord Awards. 
So yeah. uh, Vidi Video was the Lord Specialist Award. Factual Life is the all-knowing guide because I looked at Factual Life almost every day while I played that game. Yeah, it was sort of the wiki. Very impressive. From what I understand, that's mostly the work of one guy. It's very impressive. For Factual Life. I think he's got, like, people working for him, but there's a the main dude. He does, like, all the VO. He's he's just kind of a machine. That's crazy. I mean, Vardy Vidya oh. is one guy. He actually got in trouble, though, a few years back because... I mean, he does all his own research, too, but he has been accused, allegedly, of sort of um, amalgamating the community's discoveries and sort of passing them off as his own. So, take... From that way, allegedly, allegedly, yes. That's but isn't right. that isn't that like historians? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> way to put it. I mean, like, isn't that just what a historian does? It goes, here's a bunch of sources of material that I've gotten from different places that I've compiled into one place. I guess the difference is, and historians do do this, but somehow it's different in gaming. <laughs> is that Vardy video do do uh, directly profits from it, whereas all those other community <laughs> members don't. <laughs> If God of War doesn't hit 3.5 billion after 60 days, it's definitely not winning game of the year, guaranteed. Yeah. It means it's a bad game, I think. I, think I would, would agree. 100% agree. Where's, where's Forbidden West on this fucking list? Absolutely. Not even ranking. Under Skyrim. Oh, scoff. Next up, Govinda. Beyond Good and Evil 2 just found its new lead writer. Uh, for those keeping count at home, Beyond Good and Evil 2 was announced 15 years ago. Think about that. Wait. Yep. <laughs> was it actually announced 15 years ago? It was announced 15 years ago, back in 2008. It was teased. Now, the original came out... Oh, I actually don't even remember, but it was re-released in a HD version in 2011. So... Wow. So, is... that was the E3 reveal? Was that was in 2008? The E3 reveal was almost a decade after that. That was 2017 when it, we saw that little trailer. Okay, I was going to say, because my understanding was the game's been in like proper development for like five years. Apparently, but we have nothing from it. Like, we just keep hearing that it's... I, I was going through all the Push Square, like, back articles, like what they've written over the years, and it's just things like, still in development, Ubisoft confirms, still in development, like, it's coming up. Oh. Delayed so for another weird, year. That's what, <laughs> Ubisoft is such a concern for me. Uh, I did to mention too, I don't know if you mentioned it, and I'm sorry if you did, but uh, Sarah Orellano, oh, she announced yesterday that she will be the head writer on Beyond Good and Evil 2. The concern I have here is why are they hiring a writer this far into development? Yeah, right a head on writer. the point. Yes, you're right on the point. Oh, I mean, look. This thing could be getting rebooted for the umpteenth time. Uh, well, I also remember it was... I think it's going to be a bit more of a service game than just a straight-up game game. So, potentially, it's like there's a chance that she'll be writing additional content. Yeah. But it, it feels weird still. You know what I mean? This is one of those ones where I have no nostalgia for. I never played the original. I don't even know anyone that's played the original. and I, I never hear it talked about. I just hear about this game that is never coming out at this point. <laughs> I'd say the the header photo that you have on this article is actually pretty sick, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a cool... It, it looks like a grungy Overwatch. Yeah, it's sort of like a sci-fi future in which the alien races are actually anthropomorphic animal people, like the pig man that you've seen. Yeah, and there's like, and a, a, there's like a shark guy and a panda guy. Yeah. Uh, it, look, I don't know what this is. I didn't play the first one, but I'm interested still... I'm just concerned that Ubisoft is 
responsible for it and it's taken 15 years to get even into early stages of testing. Speaking of Ubisoft, Govinda, they're about to be bought out by Tencent, or at least it looks like they're preparing to buy a majority stake uh, in quite a troubling development. Yeah, it is a little bit troubling. And so I see two sides of this. One, Ubisoft's in trouble, so someone needs to step in because I don't think Eve Gilmont is going to fix it. And I don't think, nor does he have any ambition to because Ubisoft is struggling. And I think time after time they are kind of dropping the ball. So on one side of it, it's kind of nice to see someone buy a big publisher who's not just going to go and make things exclusives. Mm. Like I didn't want Sony to buy them. I don't want Microsoft to buy them. So, look, they're a big name in the gaming industry. It'd be sad to see them just disappear. It seems unlikely as well. Yeah. But on the other side of it, I'm a little concerned about Tencent buying it. Oh, yeah. And for, like, look at it this way. This is the best way I could explain this. If So, China bought a bunch of Reddit. They've got a bunch of game industries, gaming, like, developers and publishers now they have like majority stakes in if china started buying the new york times cnn Mm. like i don't think people would be so like okay about that no but i guess they are like to be fair they are quite different scale like ubisoft isn't really comparable to the new york times but they have much more than just ubisoft and so now what would happen if the next like like, there's just this possibility that the Chinese Communist Party's ideals will start maybe permeating into games hmm. that are coming out where China are the good guys. And, you know, like, um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think there's just like, a, there's a possibility where they start using it to influence people and they are maybe like, well, the old media is kind of dead. So let's look at the new media side of things and we can start influencing things that way. Like... You can't talk about Taiwan anymore. Yeah, that stuff's also interesting in the wake of Pelosi Gate. <laughs> that was this week. <laughs> Pelosi going to Taiwan and them yeah. flipping out about it. <laughs> well, also, like, it, it is looking increasingly likely that they are going to possibly invade Taiwan. So, Yeah, that's all really scary. That's something I think about a lot because apparently, like, yeah. you know, from all the stuff I read, it's like Xi Jinping is looking to secure his legacy and part of that would be to actually have Taiwan come back into the fold. Like, maybe now's the time. I was actually looking at some really interesting stuff because one of the premier global manufacturers of microchips and transistors and silicon stuff is in Taiwan. Mm. And the guy who runs it was saying something like, "If Ch- like it, was a, it sounded like a hollow threat, or maybe not hollow, like a sort of a threat that like they will not let China get a hold of that manufacturing plant. Yeah. And they are the main supplier to China. And if they were to hypothetically destroy that plant before China got a hold of it, China would be 30 years behind technologically. They could not catch up and make their own plants quick enough. So it was a real interesting read that I was seeing. Yeah, and just to put a finer point on that, Tencent currently owns 15%. Uh, they're looking to buy, they want 51 They want a controlling They want stake. majority, yeah, controlling and stake. And they already, have, they already have stakes in Epic Games, Riot Games... Sumo Digital, there's more there as well. So they're really amassing a bit of a portfolio here. And I hope it's not to the detriment of the gaming industry. 
Yeah, and like even just outside of all that, it's like Tencent just fill it with fucking microtransactions. Like it's already that way with Ubisoft and that's, you know, like have you ever seen <laughs> League of Legends these days? It's like, it's kind of concerning. It's funny though, because you're just like, well, it's probably just going to happen though. <laughs> You know, like... Yeah, yeah, probably. And Money Talks, like, they... Uh, who was it? Who was trying to buy majority of Ubisoft a while ago and the Gilmont family was just like... They fought hard against it. It was uh, Vivendi. They were another French company. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Vivendi wanted to do it and they they were avidly against it. Fought hard against it. So there must be some money on the table. On. Yeah, yeah. And so there must be some... Because that was like a hostile takeover. That was like... Yeah. M- less of like, oh, let's make a deal and more of like, we're just going to take you by force. And they were not into that. So I guess the fact that there's money on the table from Tencent and probably a lot of it uh, probably speaks volumes. All right, Govinda. Now it's time for the news we care about. All right, Govinda, in a stunning series of events, PlayStation podcast Sacred Symbols have lampooned a leaked script for the next Tomb Raider game in development at Crystal Dynamics, codenamed Jawbreaker. Journalist Colin Moriarty's sources provided the script, which was then proven accurate by what happened next. Crystal Dynamics hit Patreon with a Crystal Dynamics hit Patreon with a DMCA request to remove the offending audio. Moriarty complied and the audio was removed from Patreon services, although interestingly, YouTube was not served with a similar notice and the audio can still be heard on that platform. The following passage comes from the leaked script and describes the tone Crystal Dynamics is going for. Now hang with me, Govinda, I'm going to dive in. This is the setup for the next Tomb Raider game. Are you ready? Blink once if yes. He blinked. Lara Croft is now at the top of her game. Gone are the days of the young, inexperienced woman dealing with matters of legacy and familial reckoning. Lara has let go of her childhood and fully embraced a life of adventure and purpose. Her legendary career has been lauded in print and tabloids, tall tales of adventure that have inspired a new generation of Tomb Raiders to seek their fortunes in the world. And with this new phase of her life, Lara fully accepted her place among the ruins. For many years, Lara plumbed the depths of forgotten places, played cat and mouse with many nefarious opponents, and worked to uncover, preserve, and protect the lost secrets of the world lest they fall into the wrong hands. But as the years have passed, Lara has become lonely at the top. The beginning of this next chapter presents Lara with the quintessentially adult problem facing something too big to handle, alone on this new adventure. Lara will encounter a challenge she can only overcome with a team at her side, collaboration is foreign to her she's always succeeded alone so in this situation she's a fishy out of water also to note uh this was on a this was on a casting call and i believe this is they had the script that colin had was the script that they would read for the casting of lara croft uh there is a at the top of it it had a description of what they were looking for and it said quote they're looking for a or this is from colin they're looking for a female in her mid-30s who's white, five foot six, athletic, and a prototype of Emily Blunt and Rosamund Pike. So they're looking for Lara Croft as you know her. Yeah. But just that, older. That tracks. And it's like worth noting, before we actually talk about the game or whatever, like, did you actually hear it? Because it's hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah. So on the show, they Colin got the other hosts to act out. Chris Reagan backed out the scene and Chris Reagan was Lara Croft and put on the uh, a strangely very Greg Miller accent of an English yes. person. Yes, English the Greg irony. Accent. Like, 
the most aggressive Cockney British yeah. accent. <laughs> and I love it too. Like even as they talked about, they were like, serious lawyers at Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix sat in a boardroom and listened to him do that. Even Colin's lawyers had to listen to it. Yes. Like, <laughs> like yes. A lot of people had to listen to this and then make an executive decision on what to do about it. The other thing is also, it's not just on YouTube. It's still on all the podcast services. All the audio podcasts all right. and stuff, it's all still there. Just, just on Patreon, it had to be changed. So interesting. You think they'd go a little further. If they were going to get him for it, why just Patreon? Like, why not everywhere? It seems really odd. But the beauty of it is now we know this is 100% real because why, oh, would, yeah. why would they get lawyers involved otherwise? Truth it's and so it's denial. Like, yeah, it's so bizarre. Uh, so there was two new it? characters it's, in the script. It's the Barbara Streisand effect, isn't it? I don't know what that is. Uh, the Streisand effect is a name for the phenomenon in which attempts to hide, censor, or prevent access to something has the opposite result, the unintended consequence of drawing far more attention to that thing. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what this is. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the, the script goes on and notes that there's two new characters that we've not heard of before in the series, uh, Tanvi and Devindra, uh, and... There is also uh, part of the casting said romantic scenes with another female character and there is no or there is no nudity or simulated sex. So okay. it looks like Lara might be gay or bisexual in this one. And there's which, they're going to try and give her a team, which I'm not into. Well, just we personally. should talk about all that. So there was some Chudleys, some chuddy folks who think this is like some kind of Tomb Raider's gone woke thing just for the fact that. I don't know, Lara might be gay, or at least bi in this. But I think, I can't remember her ever having a male love interest. Correct. I don't think, as far as I'm aware, and someone can correct me if they want to, I don't think she's ever had that. And I think that was mainly because she was always meant to be strong and independent and, like, she was focused on the job and that was her whole thing. So, uh, there's a few things I don't like about this. One, if you actually listen to the script on their show, and like without the the jokey accents aside, yeah. it sounds bad. Like it sounds like bad yeah. Writing. That's we should talk about that. It is. It sounds hokey as hell. And I'd say that I think uh, the Tomb Raider that I played, the first one, was actually not too bad of the reboot. Um, but I, I felt like as like the interactions with other characters would always stood out to me as really bad, even in that first game. Like I remember where they crash land on the island or whatever, and like she's got to talk to, and it's just like cringy. The other characters were bad. Like they well, can't I, develop characters well. I wanted to say just before I forgot, like from the first game, there's like her buddy, the big dude, yeah. and in the second game, which I really like too, he's sort of like your man in the chair. He's like on the yeah. comms, yeah. and like I'm like I don't know that she is alone like she has had help previously it's like yeah it just does seem like they're trying to do a bit more of a a nathan drake vibe where they are like let's get him a sully and yeah get him a chloe and like they're on the adventure with him and so they'll get some people on the adventure with her but i i liked lark being alone like it was mm. it, it kind of makes it kind of scary and like when i was a kid i remember playing like tomb raider on ps1 and actually being like scared because i'm like a tiger is gonna jump out and fucking eat me and i'd be scared of it so there was i think it kind of adds a little tensity to the scene there was a horror to the ps1 where like the gameplay was just kind of so clunky that it was terrifying like yeah like if a tiger jumped out it was so hard to avoid it that you would just get murdered and, like that was this thing with resident evil like 
It was so yeah. hard to like avoid these things that it was kind of <laughs> scary. It was- <laughs> and that's why like new Resident Evils even still have a bit of a clunky, stilted mechanic just to kind of add to that, I think. Yeah. Like the you can't like run and shoot, you know, like if you're aiming, you're really slow. Uh, but so I don't know how I feel about this. I actually really haven't played the other. I played the first Tomb Raider. I actually really liked it, but I didn't play the other ones. And they got a little too go around, collect things, crafting. Like it got a little too craft heavy, maybe. Yeah, I, I maintain that the second one is awesome. Rise of the Tomb Raider is really good. I was saying to you, I kind of want to go back and beat Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which I've started Ooh. like three times. Uh, it's certainly... Is that the one where you start in like an open area? I feel like it got a little too open worldy, yeah, crafty for me. Like I was collecting has, too many resources and stuff. It sort of has that Arkham thing where like a different team made the third game and it's like kind of feels like slightly B B grade yeah, compared B-tier. to the first two. But like you should play Rise of the Tomb Raider. It's it's really good. I probably won't. I'll need I need Uncharted to be gone for a little bit longer before I feel the urge to, you know? Yeah, it's actually kind of funny that it is called Rise of the Tomb Raider, because this whole concept here reminds me of like the Dark Knight Rises. It's like this seems like an older, jaded Yeah. Been yeah, there, like been there Lara. a long time. And even the fact that there's, um, I know that was the the Dark Knight, was it? Where there's the copycats, the copycat Batman, like dressing up and like that's what this says that there's other adventurers inspired, like a new generation yeah. of Tomb Raiders. It's that kind of sounds interesting to me. The one thing I, I do really like is it seems like the at the start it says gone to the days of the young experienced woman dealing with matters of legacy and family reckoning. I'm mm. kind of glad because as far as I'm aware, every Tomb Raider is her trying to find her dad or follow something that he did or like there's always something to do with that. Yeah. And I think it gets a little tired as it but, uh, I mean, repeats. In, in fairness, that's sort of like that's sort of like the legacy of Drake in Uncharted, like where he's like, you know, he's looking for Drake's lost treasure, whatever. He's got the fucking, yeah, true. you know, like it's just something to draw you through. Uh, I guess, I guess. It, I, you're not wrong. But I, if for some reason it that seems a little bit more, like, adventurous than just being, like, my dad. It was like I, I, was mean, watching again, that blo- I was watching I was watching that Blown Away show and there was this lady and uh, her husband had died, like, six months before she got there. And, and I was like, oh, man, that's pretty brutal. And she's like, yeah, I came here because he told me I should do it before he passed away. And so now I'm doing it, all this stuff. And I was like, oh, brutal. And so, but then every single episode, everything that she made was always, <clears throat> oh, this is, I'm doing this for my husband or like he, this is, yeah. I, this is something we collaborate on together. It's all in this. And so every single episode she was talking about how her husband died. And by the end of it, I was like, lady, like you've <laughs> got to have something else up your sleeve. That's her story. You know? That's, that's. I know, I know. But then there was another guy, he was very good and he got through it. And then like in one episode, he was like, oh, like my dad died. I don't talk about it a lot, but I just thought I'd do one piece for him. And I was like, see, that's how you do it. It has way yeah. more impact if you give me one piece that's dedicated to that one event rather than it constantly being there. And that's how I feel about Lara always going after her dad. It's funny, though, because now I can't help but see that similarity in Uncharted because, like, that's sort of the whole thing in Uncharted 4. You just have his brother instead of a dad who was kind of a father figure to him anyway. <laughs> like it's But he that was just Uncharted 4. Yeah, but it's like that's... The Last Crusade in Indiana Jones. That was all about him going after his father's legacy. And but that's but that's one movie. You know what I mean? Uh, when you do it in I every think- single game, when you do it in every single game, 
It's I'm challenging thing. that. I don't think she does. I think that only happens in that first game. I don't think that's the case in the second one. Oh, I'm talking all the way back to PS1. Oh, okay. okay. I was talking about. I'm talking about trilogy. I'm talking about the series of of Lara Croft and Tomb Raider. Sorry. Even then, I don't really remember them that well. I know you like. There's like a flashback in one of the early ones, and you can like. And then I'm also thinking about the movies, and the movies as well. Yeah, one, yeah, it's family oriented. So I, I think it's just the the character of Lara Croft has gone through a lot of permeations, and there's always yeah. some thread of like the father's not there. Where did he go? I got to follow his trail, kind of thing. Yeah. Which is really interesting because I think that's exactly what they did with Chloe in. The Lost Legacy. <laughs> Lost <laughs> Legacy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of interesting how really much funny. they all... I mean, they're all just working it's, off Indiana Jones. Like they don't it's, work together, but it's still incestuous. Like, it's all just yeah. kind of mimicking. It's just kind of the genre, though, right? Like, I think it's just genre tropes that they're trying to... It is funny, though, because right now I'm like, I might download Shadow of the Tomb Raider, but I know... It, there's too many puzzles. I don't want that many puzzles. And that's the thing about Tomb Raider is it has more puzzles than Uncharted. Yeah, it's definitely it's puzzle heavy. Yeah. Damn it. I don't know why I don't like the puzzles. I, I always like the puzzles, especially if they're well done. If they're like the... What was it? In... Maybe it was Lost Legacy. There was one where I'm like, God, you're recycling these puzzles. Like, you've got three different puzzles and you've done the same one. I think it is Lost Legacy. And I was like, okay, these puzzles are getting a little tired. because I've. But I remember the the first Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh, is this Tomb Raider? No, the second one is Rise of the, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Okay, whatever the first, the first reboot Tomb Raider was. Like, that I remember having pretty diverse puzzles and being kind of interesting. And I, I like that. Specifically the tombs. And that comes mm, back mm. in the later games. Like, there's some wild ones, and they're like a full area interactive. And they're, yeah, they're like, like you're spending content. like 40 minutes trying to deal with a puzzle. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. Well, look, maybe, maybe I might have to revisit at least Shadow. But anyway, that's all it really needs to be. It was just a fun story. Um, and I wonder, like, whether this changes anything now. Now that this is out there and it's kind of getting mocked by idiots like us. I don't know. Well, they should not do what Ubisoft does and get a new lead writer before it's five years into development. I will say, I think, like, even I'm kind of skirting around it now, like, Shadow of the Tomb Raider sort of left a weird last note. I think they do need their Uncharted 4 to come in and, like, sort of end this phase of the Tomb Raider reboot. And then it can go away like Uncharted has. And just really quickly before we go, uh, I know... Colin mentioned it on the podcast too. A lot of people were wondering why Square Enix is issuing DMCA's for a studio they sold. Uh, but obviously the sale isn't done yet. They announced it, but obviously it's going to take probably some months before they actually offload Crystal Dynamics and IDOS. So, oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. I, I actually said Crystal Dynamics did that. You're right. It was Square Enix did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah Square Enix issued the DMCA's. Or DMCA. It's weird. It's still... It, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, they have to... It, on his Patreon, it says where you can find him other than Patreon. So, it seems so strange they didn't do it to other platforms. Yeah, but super selective, but it weird. is what it is. Then maybe they wanted to confirm it, but hopefully... Hopefully, they update it because the script was pretty cringe. All right, Govinda, get me out of here. I want my yum-yum dinner. This has been an episode... Of long live play, the number has escaped me, so I'm not going to even mention it. Sixty-two. <laughs> I've been me. Kale's been him. We might be here next week. We might not. Who knows? I'm this close, Kale. 
to packing up my editing boots and just being like, we're not doing this anymore unless you do it. And that's how close I am. If anyone is watching, which I know you're not, all the audio listeners, I'm pinching my fingers very close together. They're so close. They're almost touching. Until next week, maybe. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.